Hello and welcome to Beyond the Buy Button podcast series from Delivery X. Here at Delivery X, we spend a lot of time looking at how products become sellable, how they get to a customer once they've been sold, and then their life cycle, should they be returned, used, need to be recycled, or even developed into better products. In this podcast series, we'll be taking a twin track approach to the developments in the industry. We'll speak with industry leaders about how they glue together the getting the products to the buy button to the customer and then back again into the supply chain. So far, we've looked at shipping economics, returns, exchanges, circular business models, being agile and dealing with staffing issues. This episode is titled Packaging is the New Storefront and so we'll be looking at how e-commerce deliveries are part of the customer experience with boxes and bags as well as product packaging becoming part of the brand's story. As often an order being delivered is now the first physical contact with a brand. We'll be joined by Stefan Angle from Lumi, another of our company and before we delve into the world of packaging he can give us a little introduction. I'm Stefan Ango, I'm the co-founder of Lumi, and Lumi is a platform that helps businesses work directly with packaging and print manufacturers all over the world. Thank you, Stefan. With more than 80% of UK consumers now making purchases online, e-commerce packaging has never been more important. It means the first impression of a retailer is no longer a shiny storefront, but often it is just simply a cardboard box. And that box not only has to ensure the product isn't damaged in transit, but also has to represent the retailer. Stefan can tell us a little bit more. In the packaging industry, there are uh, two major types of packaging, which we call primary packaging and secondary packaging. So primary would be the bottle or jar or tube or can that contains the product itself. And secondary is what is outside of that. And And that would be, for example, the box that you receive in the mail that would be counted as secondary packaging or the tape that goes around it to close that box. And historically, in a brick and mortar environment, you don't see the secondary packaging as much because that secondary packaging is used in the warehouse. It's used in the back of the store to unpack the product that's been received from the the brand and put it on the store shelf. But now, what? and so in a brick and mortar environment, you care about your primary packaging being very graphic, very visual, and your secondary packaging is only going to be seen by the warehouse employees and the people in the shipping department. So you don't care as much about. So that's all brown boxes that are very basically branded. But now we're actually seeing the opposite. When you go to the mail room, when you see packages being delivered, you're seeing the secondary packaging much more than the primary packaging. And so the way that brands who are thinking about online sales are thinking is they're flipping the way that they're spending their packaging budget towards making much higher graphic secondary packaging. And that's where you can choose interesting colors, interesting patterns, and basically showcase your brand. And that becomes the little billboard that's not sitting on a store shelf, but it's sitting in the mail room in your apartment building. It's We've all seen mattress boxes being delivered, and that's a, 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 an opportunity for the brand to 
um, create awareness within the group of people that might see that box. Creating that brand awareness through packaging isn't a new thing or one reserved for e-commerce. Think of Tiffany's iconic blue boxes and bags. E-tailers such as Amazon have really branded their boxes. Amazon, for example, with that simple smile, but it does make it instantly recognisable. What is on the outside of the box is one thing, but the growth in e-commerce has led to a new phenomenon, unboxing videos and live streams. At its core, unboxing is the process of recording the moment when a certain product is opened and removed from the packaging it was sold in. Over 90,000 people type unboxing into YouTube every month. Some of these videos hit over 10 million views. And of course, brands and retailers are now having to think about that experience when looking at packaging design. While not all shoppers will video and upload the process to YouTube, the experience of unboxing is increasingly important, as Stefan can explain. One of the things that we've seen brands do nowadays is actually offer at the checkout moment on e-commerce, a bifurcation of the experience where they can allow the customer to choose a low packaging versus a much more gifted type of experience. And this has been a trend that we've been trying to boost out there because I think it's a really a great thing because oftentimes the brand will, or the retailer will choose to default to a more luxury premium feeling experience and add extra packaging because they really want to optimize to give someone a really great experience but for your return customers your repeat customers the ones who've already had the great experience the first time who are more sustainability conscious maybe they would rather have something more basic that doesn't have all the bells and whistles and uh, you can just give them that option at checkout and what's fascinating about that is it makes everyone uh, better off. The customer is happier to receive something that has less stuff. And the brand is not charging <laughs> any less for the product. So they, again, this is an opportunity for improve your customer experience and improve your costs. Or you can think of it the on the flip side, give people the option to opt in to a more fancy experience because this is a holiday gift or this is something special for them at that moment or they're a first time customer. And so they need the full all of the bells and whistles or all of the components that are required. How many times have you received a liquid soap that's got the entire pump and everything associated with it? There's some really interesting stuff happening in that realm of liquid soaps where brands are choosing to only send that once and then the refills can have much more basic packaging and not include all of those extra components that eventually end up in a landfill. Refills are a great way for cosmetic retailers and of course those selling food and beverage products to be sustainable. And with the conscious consumer to consider, almost one in five consumers say they won't buy from a retailer who doesn't use sustainable packaging, retailers and brands are really having to look at green packaging. Stefan can tell us more. We've seen that. Lumi's been in business since 2015, and every year we're seeing more and more demand for sustainability, sustainable packaging. We're seeing that move up the priority list for businesses, and a lot of it is consumer-driven. Every younger generation is more and more conscious about sustainability. And if you want to continue <laughs> staying in business and having new customers come in, it, it makes sense to think about that. The thing that I think is challenging about the word sustainability. It's not one size fits all. A business who that's in the apparel industry versus cosmetics industry versus food, 
they're going to need to approach sustainability differently because the types of materials, the types of products that they're selling are different. If you have a product that needs to remain cold in transit, that has different properties that you need to think about. Are you making your packaging out of renewable materials like paper or seaweed or other interesting materials that are coming out today? Are you using recycled content? How recyclable or compostable is the material at the end of its life? What are you doing to reduce the amount of packaging that you have? Can you shrink it? Can you ship less air? Can you work with local manufacturers that are in your area to reduce the carbon emissions that happen in transit? So all of those different things, as well as some new business models like reusable, refillable, returnable packaging is all kind of the nuance that's within this word sustainability. And we think it's much more interesting for businesses to pick two or three of those properties and focus in on doing a really great job at those because then they can set their goals in a much more accurate and predictable way that that translate into the business. And like I said, the goals depend on the type of business that you're running. And so some businesses are going to really struggle to switch away from plastic. Plastic is a material that I think from the consumer point of view is something that they want to see go away, especially single-use plastics. And I think everyone is on board with that. But there are some industries where it's going to be really difficult to make that switch for practical reasons, like the medical industry, for example. From medical products to cosmetics, it is not only what is on the outside that counts. Inside, or the products themselves, also needs to be sustainable, as Stefan expands on. One of the things that is a real misconception about sustainability is that it always has to be more expensive. But in fact, oftentimes the sustainable choice is actually the less expensive one because it involves reducing the amount of air, reducing the amount of material and creating more efficient use of that material. So there's a lot of interesting packaging engineering options out there where we're seeing a lot of brands and retailers become very creative about how they're designing their packaging. But we also have to go back to the product itself. And it's not just air, water and other products that are used as we translate from a primarily brick and mortar economy to an omni-channel slash e-commerce economy. The way that products are created and formulated has to change. And some of the more innovative companies that we're seeing today are removing water out of their formulations. They're making their formulations much more concentrated so that they can also take up less space. Examples of that are things like shampoos and toothpaste and soaps where you're going from a liquid to a solid. (laughs) And that way you can actually save space. Saving space is a huge thing for packaging as well, as consumers have all received huge half-empty boxes for something teeny, with excessive packaging to fill that space. A recent study found around 85 million cubic metres of air is being shipped to UK homes each year due to unnecessary packaging. That's equivalent to more than 34,000 Olympic swimming pools. The study also showed that oversized boxes containing excess material are causing nearly 5 million unnecessary delivery journeys, leading to 86,000 tonnes of potential unavoidable CO2 being released into the atmosphere. Of course, consumers don't want this. 32% of consumers want their packaging that tightly fits oddly shaped items. Stefan can explain why there is perhaps so much air and what can be done. When you buy a box of cereal and it's like... 
probably 80% air. Why is it that shape? It's that shape because it needs to attract your attention as you're walking by and have great colorful graphics. But as we move to an online economy, and at least in, in the US where I'm based, we're still a long ways to making that transition. We're still less than 20% is sold online. We're seeing that you don't need to use your packaging as a billboard. You can use videos, you can use imagery, you can write a lot more copy on your website or Instagram or other social media to explain what your product is and what it does. And that way your packaging can actually become more and more, it, it can shrink, can have less air, can have less water, it can have less material. Rethinking packaging to have less air, less material is a key consideration for retailers, especially as recent reports suggest that there may be issues with box shortages. Several retailers faced issues caused by both strike action and supply chain disruption. Drinks company Diageo, biscuit maker McVitie's and brewer Brewdog had to deal with packaging shortages this November as nearly 700 members of the GMB union who worked at DS Smith took industrial action. There was already ongoing issues with supply as the pandemic resulted in high costs and an unstable supply of raw materials. This hit the packing industry hard, but Stefan isn't too concerned. Obviously, we've had a lot of supply chain issues related to COVID, but they're not, supply chain issues are just going to persist forever. They're really wide and diverse in nature. When we started Lumi in 2015, some of the things that were happening back then were um, strikes at the ports where products are coming into the country. Trade wars have been going on where there's been changes in tariffs that have been levied among countries. There's weather events like fires and, and storms and the Suez Canal was blocked. I don't know if you remember that had nothing to do with COVID. Like all of these different things happen. So supply chain fluctuations and supply chain chaos is the norm, actually. It's just that you don't know what's going to hit you next. And so building tools that allow us to have more predictability, more redundancy, having a wider base of suppliers who can provide a similar type of product is the set of tools that we're designing to make supply chain a competitive advantage for the businesses that use Lumi. It does seem that packaging suppliers as well as retailers need to be ready for anything, to be flexible, to be agile in their business models. We've covered time and time again the changing nature of retail and how goods are being delivered to consumers. One trend that Lumi has picked up on is sending directly to customers from store. Stefan can explain. We're seeing this a lot with apparel and footwear brands where, again, as we translate from brick and mortar to online, we have to rethink some of the base assumptions that we've had. A lot of we're seeing some really interesting design changes around boxes for shoes, for example, where traditional retailers are used to shipping a box within a box. How can you get rid of one of those layers of cardboard that's unnecessary and designed your finished inventory, the box with the shoes inside to be multifunctional in the sense that it can exist in the retail context or in the online context. And if it's sold online, just put a label on there and ship it. If it's sold at retail, it comes from the back of the store and it's ready to go too. So we're thinking about how packaging can be designed to have this omni-channel functionality or it, for some businesses, it makes sense to have two different packaging strategies fit for either scenario. 
Sticking with shoes, we know from our previous returns episode that fit can be especially a challenge and a reason for many returns. And then that means the box they arrive in becomes something important once more. Stefan can explain further. If you need to send it back for whatever reason, if you bought a pair of shoes and it was the wrong size and you have to initiate a return, how does the packaging actually help you do that? How can it be functional? We're seeing some really interesting business models that have to do with the expectation of returns or the expectation of a refill or reorder. And the packaging, as we shift towards e-commerce, can functionally benefit that that workflow for the consumer. We launched a product called Lumi ID. It's part of the Narvar ecosystem of products. And Lumi ID is a QR code that is printed on the packaging that allows a consumer to scan it. And it's like a little mini launch screen for that package. And retailers and brands can put this QR code on anything. They can put it on a box that's expected for returns. They could put it on a tube of toothpaste to initiate a reorder when the customer is finished with that product. So we're definitely seeing that barcodes are are gaining a lot of traction. They have a lot more adoption now among consumers. All of the phones support reading and scanning QR codes just using the regular camera app. So this is actually one of the first Lumi Plus Narvar products that we have launched since Lumi was recently acquired by Narvar. And it allows brands to place these QR codes and control this basically white labeled experience where they can control the branding and help the customer go to whatever action they might be. And those include returns, recycling, reordering the product, returning the product, and also reporting any issues that they might encounter. The recycling one actually is really interesting because every, every jurisdiction, every city, every state has their own rules around recycling. And so we've been able to bring all of that data to the tool so that the consumer, when they look up what to do at the end of life with that packaging, get localized instructions that are designed for their specific neighborhood. So we're definitely seeing that. And that's where software can interface with the packaging itself and provide this extra layer of smartness on top of a cardboard or plastic packaging. But the design of the packaging itself can also be thought through for a returns or reorder or refill type of workflow. If you would like to hear more about returns, there is that dedicated episode where we're joined by Pandora and Wolverine Worldwide, the company that owns Metal Footwear and Sweaty Betty, to look at how to tackle serial returners whilst making the refund process as seamless as possible. For now, a massive thank you to Stefan Angle from Lumi for taking us through how packaging is becoming the new storefront. Thank you for listening. I'm Katie Searles.